This is a story told by Eckhart Tolle in his book The Power of Now. A beggar had been sitting by the side of a road for over 30 years. One day, a stranger walked by. Spare some change, mumbled the beggar, mechanically holding out his old baseball cap. I have nothing to give you, said the stranger. Then he asked, What's that you're sitting on? Nothing, replied the beggar. Just an old box. I have been sitting on it for as long as I can remember. Ever looked inside? asked the stranger. No, said the beggar. What's the point? There's nothing in there. Have a look inside, insisted the stranger. The beggar managed to pry open the lid. With astonishment, disbelief and elation, he saw that the box was filled with gold. Hello again, this is Alex. I am glad that you're joining us for another episode. So far, we've spoken a lot about the present moment and the importance of learning to ground yourself in the present moment, to ground yourself in a deeper dimension that exists behind your thoughts, we can say. Your thoughts and your mind are not everything that exists to your consciousness. Thought and mind are only like the tip of the iceberg. In percentage, the tip of the iceberg is just a very tiny amount of the totality of the iceberg. In the same way, thought is only a tiny amount of the totality of your consciousness, of the totality of who you are. The problem is that the tip of the iceberg is all that you see. In the same way, thought is what's most easily distinguishable in your consciousness. That's why we fall into the trap of believing that thought is everything that there is to our lives. And when we do this, we live in, a, in an automatic way when we don't know that there is something more to us than our thoughts, then our mind controls us. And when our mind controls us, I identify myself with it. Which means every thought that I think, I believe it's me. And I fall into the trap of thinking that this chatter that I have in my mind is who I am. And that's the greatest mistake. That's the ignorance. That's the primordial ignorance. This mistake, misbelief, that you are your mind. You are not your mind. Your mind is just 
a mix of mental patterns that are the way they are because of things that happened in the past. Your mind gets conditioned by something that happens in the past. If you were abused in the past, then your mind is going to be afraid. Your mind is going to be afraid of connection. Your mind is going to be afraid of intimacy. Your mind is going to be afraid of people leaving. Your mind is going to be afraid of proximity with others. Your mind is going to be cautious of, can I get close to this person? What if they leave? They are going to leave. Everyone leaves. That's just how the mind works. But the problem is that if we don't know that there is something more to us than our mind, then the mind becomes so heavy and we start believing every thought that we think. And that's how the mind imprisons us. The mind wants us to believe in every thought that we think. To take every thought that crosses my mind as absolute truth. And the moment that happens, we are in the grasp of the mind. And the liberation that we're talking about, this thing that we're saying, finding yourself, what's that? is finding that there is a huge space of consciousness, we can say, that's behind the mind. It's the background. In your life, you have not only the foreground, which is what we are always so accustomed to pay attention to, and this includes what happens outside, but also what happens inside. The foreground is not only the football match that I'm watching on the television or the Excel sheet that I am working on, but the foreground also includes your relationships, your interactions, but even more than that, your thoughts, your emotions, your beliefs, your conditioning. All of this is the foreground. But there is something more to you than just the foreground. And this is the background. It's like, take a painting, Van Gogh's chair, okay? Very nice painting. What is the painting? Does the painting consist only of the color of the oil? No, it doesn't. Because the oil needs somewhere where it can stand on. And this is the canvas. So Van Gogh's chair is not only about the color, the oil, but also about the canvas on top of which the oil has dried. If the canvas wasn't there, there would be no Van Gogh's chair, right? In the same way, if you weren't there, the content of your mind wouldn't be there either. And what we're trying to do in this podcast is how can we point you towards realizing that dimension of the background of your life? It's not something that we can describe through words. You're not going to understand it by 
describing it and saying, okay, yeah, now I know what it is because I know how to describe it. You can only understand it when you feel it. The words that I use are pointers. I'm pointing you in a direction. But don't just stay looking at my fingers pointing to you in that direction. Go there. Bring your attention inside. And when you understand this, you feel this. And when when you understand it, you can feel your presence. You can feel the presence of the observer of the mind behind the mind. How does it feel like? It feels like alertness. When you inhabit this part of you that's deeper than your thoughts, you are alert. We said like a warrior in enemy territory, right? It's that kind of alertness where all of a sudden everything feels alive. You're alert. You're not thinking about anything. You're just alert, paying attention to whatever will present itself in this moment. This is the quality of vigilance that spiritual traditions always point to. It's Jesus uses this parable of someone who's waiting for the master to return. And he encourages this person to keep watch, to pay attention. You don't want to miss the arrival of the master. So be present, pay attention. This is the type of alertness. Be alert to whatever you can feel right now or whatever you can hear. When you are alert, even if it's only for one second, your mind stops. And when your mind stops, that's when you find this deeper state of consciousness that's beyond your mind. Because you're still there, but your mind has stopped. So if that has happened, if the mind stops, but you're still there, the conclusion, the obvious conclusion is, there's something more to you than just your thoughts, right? And what we're trying to do here is to show you to develop your capacity to extricate your awareness from identification with thought. To show you that thought is not everything that there is to you. That there is a vast dimension that's beyond your mind. The only problem is you've never cared to pay attention to it. William James was a, an American psychologist uh, from the 19th century, I think. And he said something very interesting that I'm going to read to you. He said, Our normal waking consciousness is but one special type of consciousness, whilst all about it, parted from it by the filmsiest of screens, there lie potential forms of consciousness 
entirely different. We may go through life without suspecting their existence, but apply the requisite stimulus and at a touch, they are all there, in all their completeness. So he's saying, there are different dimensions of consciousness that exist in your life that you never suspected of their existence. But only if you apply the appropriate stimulus, all of a sudden you realize there is this different dimension of consciousness that I didn't know existed where I am connected to everything and I can feel it. I can see this tree in front of me and I can feel, wow, there's something, some way in which this tree in front of me is alive. And then I also see it's not only alive, but it's also part of me somehow. And the same applies with everyone else, everything else in the universe. That's one of the characteristics of this dimension of consciousness. It's union. Because when you touch that deeper place in yourself, you realize this place exists in everyone else. And the beauty that comes with it, the beautiful conclusion that comes with it, is that I am, in essence, exactly equal to everyone else. And what comes out of this is both self-confidence and humility. It's interesting because usually we tend to think about self-confidence and humility almost as opposite traits. But in truth, they are one and the same. And And they arise when you are able to find this part of you that's beyond your mind, the background of your life. How can we access this dimension of consciousness is what I wanted to talk to you. Uh, I didn't know that the introduction was going to be so long. But anyway, (laughs) let's get going because I have prepared something um, interesting for today, something slightly different. I have a poem with me by Kabir. Kabir, I'm sure I've quoted Kabir at some point. Kabir was a poet, Persian poet from the 14th, 15th century, I think. Uh, very good, very deep, very profound, and very humorous at times. What I'm going to do with this poem, I'm going to read it to you. And then after that, we're going to take it and start cutting it into pieces. And we're going to try to interpret what he's trying to say to us. The poem is called, I said to this wanting creature inside me. And it goes like this. I said to the wanting creature inside me, 
What is this river you want to cross? There are no travelers on the river road, and no road. Do you see anyone moving about on that bank, or nesting? There is no river at all, and no boat, and no boatman. There is no tow rope either, and no one to pull it. There is no ground, no sky, no time, no bank, no ford. And there is no body, and no mind. Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? In that great absence, you will find nothing. Be strong then, and enter into your own body. There you have a solid place for your feet. Think about it carefully. Don't go off somewhere else. Kabir says this, Just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are. So, let's go step by step, baby steps. The first line, I said to this wanting creature inside me. What does this mean? Who is the wanting creature? Here, the wanting creature is the ego. The ego, as we've explored, is this thought-based sense of self. Is this idea that you have of who you think you are. Is the mind-made sense of self. And we said, wanting desire is what keeps the ego going because the ego knows that when it wants something it's going to keep your attention focused on the future and as we've explored already when your attention is focused in future or past anyway anywhere away from the present that's how the ego sustains itself because the ego needs time and There's nothing greater than desire in order to give you, give it more time. So basically, this is a conversation between I and the ego, right? The ego is the wanting creature. (laughs) And what's the conversation? It starts with a question. What is this river you want to cross? In other words, why do you want to go to the future so much? Why do you want to be there and not here? Why is it that there is this huge pull towards the future? What do you want there? I want to understand. That's how it starts. And then it says, There are no travelers on the river road and no road. Do you see anyone moving about on that bank or nesting? And by this, he means there's no one happy there. There's no one that's nesting, building a home, building a fulfilled life there. 
No one that has found fulfillment has found it in the future. Right? By this, he's saying fulfillment, nesting, is found in a different part, not in the future. There is no river at all, and no boat, and no boatman. There is no tow rope either, and no one to pull it. There is no ground, no sky, no time, no bank, no ford. This concerns the aspect of impermanence, which is another topic that is um, very central in spirituality, this idea that everything ends, everything is impermanent. And this is what Kabir is saying here. He's saying, when you think of future, you will find nothing solid, because future always ends in nothing. So there's no one, there's not even a ground, not even a sky, nothing. So why do you want to nest in a place where you cannot find anything? Why do you want to build your house on sand? Why do you want to build your house made of smoke? That's what you're doing when you live like you live, which is thinking about the future and thinking that when I get this, I'm going to be happy. When I get that, I'm going to be happy. So I work myself very hard. I neglect everything else and focus only on my task, which is I need to buy my BMW or I need to buy my house. I need to get my face in the cover of Vogue magazine. But Kabir says, don't do it. There's nothing to find there. Do you see someone nesting? Do you see someone happy? I'm sure if we go and ask those uh, beautiful faces on the Vogue magazine if they are happy, I'm pretty sure that if we ask them and they are honest, most of them are going to say that they are not happy. Or some of them might be, but guess what? It's not going to last forever. That's the thing of impermanence. Like Jesus says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's the same thing. Don't lay your treasures in the dimension of space and time. Because that's impermanent. It's not going to last forever. And Jesus also says, you know, in one of the stories with uh, his disciples, I think it is, He says, look at this beautiful temple. Not a single stone is going to be left standing. And by that he means even this huge temple that you think is so permanent is going to be dust eventually. And the same is going to happen to you and everyone else around you. And with your cars and your 
beauty and your six pack and your um, savings, everything. You're gonna lose everything. So as soon as you can start learning to look for fulfillment in the places where it will last, right? That, that's what Kabir is saying. It's interesting. It's the same as Jesus says. It's the same as the Buddha says. It's the same as everyone said. If we have the ears to hear, of course. But let's keep going. And then he says, And there is no body and no mind. Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? And by this, he is kind of asking the same thing. Why do you want to go there? Do you think that some place will take away this thirst that you have? In that great absence, you will find nothing. In other words, in the future, you will not find that which your soul is looking for. Your soul has this thirst, he says. And we all have that, even when we know it or not. It's like Carl Jung, he did a lot of work with uh, alcoholics. And eventually, in one of the letters that he sends to someone, he writes something very interesting. He says something like, the alcoholic, the thirst that the alcoholic has is only a superficial manifestation of the thirst that they feel internally, of the thirst that is spiritual. It's a spiritual thirst that gets manifested as physical thirst for alcohol. I've used the example of the lamp that's disconnected from the supply of energy. It's the same thing. If the lamp is not connected to the supply of energy, the lamp is always going to feel that what it has, what it was built for, is not being fulfilled. So it's going to have a thirst, in quotation marks, for the electricity. And in the same way, we humans, when we are disconnected from the present moment, when we are disconnected from this dimension of the background of our lives, of the canvas behind the mind, we can say, then we have a thirst. Thirst for the joy that comes when you find it. Do you believe there is some place that will make the soul less thirsty? That's what we read. In that great absence, you will find nothing. Which means you, you won't find it in the future. You won't find it anywhere in the dimension of space or time. He includes that too, I'm sure. This is, it's like the first and second noble truths where he says, What's wrong with you? This is what's wrong with you. And then the third noble truth is how to fix it, right? In Kabir's words, of course. Be strong then and enter into your own body. There 
you have a solid place for your feet. Enter into your own body. Find your body. Find the aliveness that exists in your physical vehicle. Find the aliveness that exists in your body. If you've done the body scan meditation that I've included, you know what I'm talking about. You know that if you pay attention to your hands, you're going to realize there is some kind of energy that flows through my hands. And when you find this energy, you realize it's so benevolent. It has a joyous quality to it. But you can only find it when you focus on your hands, when you really pay attention and your mind has to stop. Can we do an exercise? Why don't you find a quiet place where you can sit? Or maybe you can do this standing, but make sure you're safe because I want you to close your eyes. And now close your eyes when you're ready. Close your eyes and stretch your hands. And without moving anything, I don't want you to open your eyes nor move any part of your body. I'm going to ask you a question and I want you to find the answer. How do you know that your hands are there without moving them? Investigate. How do you know that your hands are there without moving them? And the answer is because you can feel them. You can feel your hands. You can feel a sensation of energy, of aliveness that flows through your hands. And not only flows it through your hands, it flows through your whole body. So you can open your eyes if you've closed them and bring your attention to your feet. Recognize any sensations that you can find there. Your feet making contact with the ground. And now start going upward with your attention. Feel your ankles, your lower legs, your knees, your thighs. your hips, your stomach, your back, your chest, your arms, your hands, your shoulders, your neck, your face, and your head. Now expand the focus of your attention and feel your body as a single organism. Feel it from within, so to speak. Is it alive? 
Can you feel the subtle energy field that pervades the entire body and gives vibrant life to every organ and every cell? Can you feel the energy field that orchestrates the workings of the processes that occur in your body? Your immune system, your nervous system, your digestive system, all of them are sustained by an intelligence that your mind cannot and will never be able to understand how your heart beats, how your body regulates its own temperature. There is so much intelligence in your body that you're cut off from just because your mind takes up all of your attention. So return to your body, feel your body, feel your legs, your feet, your chest, your arms. Don't think about them, feel them. Feel how every cell of your body becomes more alive when you put your attention on it. It's as if it becomes filled with light. Focus on your chest. Imagine there is a flame burning in the middle of your chest and allow it to expand into all of your body. You can use any image that you like. All I'm trying to do is trying to make you feel your body. And you will see, if you're able to do this, you realize I can feel the energy. And more interesting than that is I am not thinking when I am feeling my body. So the beauty of your body is that when you focus on it, you kill two birds with one shot. One is that you reconnect with an energy that is so joyful, that is so peaceful and re-energizing and the second is you calm down your mind so in our journey towards finding yourself one of the stations that we need to cross inevitably is your body find your body and this is what Kabir is saying Enter into your own body. There you have a solid place for your feet. That solid place that you're looking for in the poem that we're uh, analyzing, you're looking for it somewhere in the future. It's not there. Where is it? It's in you. It's in your body. That's the first station. That's the first door that opens to you when you start looking for yourself. Find your body. 
there you have a solid place for your feet. It's like this parable of the of the wise man who built his house upon a rock and the floods came and the winds blow and beat upon the house but the house falls not because it is founded upon a rock and this is compared with the foolish man who builds his house upon sand and then the winds come and the uh, streams rise and then the house falls because it didn't have a solid foundation and this is what Kabir is saying find the solid place for your feet find a place of security find a place where you can ground yourself if I can if I can catch my mind in the future in the past what do I do with that right that's a question that inevitably arises in any mind that has been following this podcast and engaging with it we've learned okay don't be in the future don't be in the past don't be lost in your mind and now someone says okay i am able to catch my mind going into the future i am able to recollect myself recollect my attention and say okay well yeah i was i am thinking about the future i don't want to think about the future what do i do now and my response to that is the same as kabir says enter into your own body there you have a solid place for your feet recollect your attention and feel your body have an intimate relationship with your body where you visit your body as much as possible and what's going to happen is you're gonna start a fire that is just going to consume everything that you know it's going to change your life forever if you learn how to master the art of body awareness and let's continue with the poem Kabir says think about it carefully don't go off somewhere else by this he means be present have your attention strongly focused on your body don't think about anything else don't think feel don't go anywhere else don't allow your mind to go anywhere else if it does bring it back to your body and then the last verse kabir says this just throw away all thoughts of imaginary things and stand firm in that which you are and by this he's saying throw away your thoughts of imaginary things eventually almost every thought is of something imaginary every thought that's about the future is something imaginary something that doesn't exist every thought that's about the past we can say it's something imaginary because it no longer exists so any thought is imaginary and he's saying throw away imaginary things throw away what ifs uh this should have been different what if this happens i don't want this to happen i want that to happen how can i have this oh my god i need to avoid that throw away all of those things and stand firm in that which you are
and this starts with your body. Reconnect with your body. Feel your hands. The energy that's in your hands. Your feet. Your legs. Your abdomen. Your breathing. Your breathing can also bring you in touch with your body if you pay attention to it. Feel the air blowing against your skin. Or whatever you can feel. I'm just giving you like a repertoire of things that you could potentially feel. Find that which you can feel and stay with it. Practice to recollect your attention and to keep it on your body. Initially, it's probably going to be something superficial. I can feel my feet touching the ground. I can feel the air blowing against my face. But eventually, the more you focus your attention on your body, you're going to find a deeper dimension to it. The life that sustains it. It's the life that you are. Eckhart Tolle, I think, says, the body is a bridge between the manifested and the unmanifested. And this might sound strange. We're going to talk more about these two dimensions. But basically he's saying, the body is the bridge between the dimension of time and space and the formless dimension of who you are. The bridge between the painting and the canvas, we can say. So the more you learn to connect to your body, the more you're going to learn to return and ground yourself in this deeper dimension of presence. And eventually you're going to learn, I'm sure, what this formless part of yourself is all about. So, how to enter this state of presence? Start by returning to your body as much as you can. Anytime that you realize I am thinking about the future, the past, I am daydreaming, that's great. That's the first step, is to realize that you've lost your ground. The second step is, okay, what do I do with my attention now? Where do I place it? And the answer to that is, the body is a very good alternative. Focus and reconnect to how it feels to have a body. I hope that um, you've understood what I've said. <laughs> and I really hope that um, you can take this on board and really try to recollect and to regain awareness of 
this sensation of aliveness that exists in your body. You don't have to go anywhere else, right? And I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the channel in order to get notified whenever new episodes are released. Someone has liked your photo, someone has sent you a message, there's not enough money in your bank account. <laughs> Have some positivity among those notifications so that for a change something good pops up, something worth your time, which is Are You In There has published a new episode. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> before I bore you to death, Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Find us on social media if that's what you like. We are on Instagram under Truthfully Talking. And don't forget to check out the meditation bonus material that's included in the podcast. That's all for now. Take care. I wish you the very best. And until next time. Bye bye.